What is up, everybody? Welcome to Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. I'm Sid, and joining me, uh, I, I was going to say once again, but you've never been on the show before. <laughs> uh, joining me today is actor, choir person, and future lawyer. Oh my goodness, I've, we've never had a lawyer on this show. Uh, Joe, Joseph or Joe Sloma. How are you doing, oh, Joe? Good, good. Good afternoon, good yeah. morning, or wherever this might be. <laughs> Yeah. Do you prefer, like, I know you go by Joe, sometimes Joseph, but like, um, Joe, for the rest of the show. Joe looks great. Joe. Fantastic. It's a lot easier to remember than the, the Polish version of that. So, <laughs> yeah. Cause like you, yours is not the typical spot. Like, uh, for those of you who are probably listening to this episode, you'll notice that like, uh, Joseph is spelled pretty weird <laughs> or at least like weird in the American sense. Like, do you want to like just talk about your name real quick? Um, yeah, sure. Um, so my name, it comes from traditional Polish version of Joseph, obviously. Um, it's pronounced mm -hmm. Yusuf originally, um, Ooh. very similar to the kind of the Middle Eastern Yusuf pronunciation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, named after my grandfather who was named after his grandfather who was named after his grandfather. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah that's um, we briefly talked with uh, AJ the wordsmith. Shout out to AJ. We had a really amazing episode with him, and we talked about names, mm -hmm. uh, like and their meaning and stuff like that, and how Middle Eastern names anyway, like pass on from, you know, grandfather to grandfather, you know, to eventually my dad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, so it's kind of cool that you're kind of named after, like you're literally named after your grandfather and your great-grandfather like not your dad though your no. dad what, what's his name um robert <laughs> ah robert so uh, yeah. i guess like robert's dad kind of like broke the chain and he was like nah man i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name him after my dad mm -hmm. <laughs> well it's kind of tradition in poland that um you're named after at least one of your ancestors um so okay. he's named after uh one of my great-grandfathers and and it kind of it's a very very traditional country with a very traditional basis for naming um, Sloma, uh -huh. my last name, uh, is even uh, the Polish word for farmer or straw. So there's a lot of commonality in that. Yeah, commonality in a sense, like I, I can't like for some weird reason, like knowing you, I, I can imagine you as a farmer. <laughs> you know, like I don't know why, but like I when I think like Sloma, then farmer, I was like, oh yeah, that's Joe. Yeah, I don't know, but like. Does that sound right? Yeah, well, I, I grew up on a dairy farm as a kid, so that's one of, one of those things. But uh, uh, was it a dairy farm here in Spokane? Vermont, actually, from from New England originally. Yeah, but, I noticed. Yeah. I noticed your like your special accent. I don't know if it's coming clear on the show, but when you meet Joe in person, definitely has uh, that New England accent, like the almost like not New England, I would say, but like it definitely Vermont, definitely like not western like the west side yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know it's definitely like well is vermont on the east honestly like i don't know so, because i'm from the middle east <laughs> yeah yeah well vermont's actually really close to upstate new york and new hampshire so it's kind of new england maine kind of almost on the it's on the canadian border um mm -hmm. so a lot of the accent too is considered a, a non-rhotic accent mm -hmm. um similar to connecticut river valley uh, boston uh kind of that whole new england area um i spent mm -hmm far too much time researching this after being it pointed be, it being pointed out when i moved to the west side that i had an accent <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad that i got it right because like i was just pulling out of my ass <laughs> just now your accent so i'm glad that you can confirm yeah it is from that like new england like west side like east side of the country so yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you for confirming that and not making me look like an idiot. Yeah, thanks for uh, <laughs> noticing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the uninitiated, Joe, um, like, who are you? Um, and that, like, what do you do? Oh, that's a, a very big loaded question. Um, mm -hmm. So being from New England, I moved out here for high school um, mm -hmm. and then kind of developed through being interested in theater and the arts, um, done choir for quite a long time. I teach fencing, um, a whole lot of things, gone from one interesting and strange job to another, um, and mm -hmm. actually ended up now um, in the pre-law program here at Gonzaga and mm -hmm. looking at law school. Nice. You, uh, like, that's our one bit, like, I guess our one big connection is the fact that we both worked on It's a Wonderful Life, but then, like, our other one, since that show isn't really our identity <laughs> for forever. Yeah. Um, Gonzaga being the other thing. And I was just like, oh, wow, you're you're one of the law kids. Yeah. Like, I always saw on the uh, the academic calendar for Gonzaga, just like, oh, man, the law students got to start on Monday. Man, that must <laughs> suck. That, that must suck for them. Jeez. Oh, just what are they a little doing? bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, we always kind of went through the same circles and uh, we know some of the same people, I believe, too. So Yeah, because like you're in uh, like Gonzaga University Theater Sports, Guts. I was uh, very briefly, um, which yeah. was its own wonderful and terrifying thing <laughs> yeah, i mean it, it's uh improv comedy so like improv is always scary yeah oh absolutely <laughs> uh, it was surprising like how many people we did know um because i don't think i've ever met a law student at gonzaga because no? like y'all y'all are doing your own thing man like like i said like you, your academic year starts early mm -hmm. um so like i always feel like the law students always did their own thing well with that too a lot of us are just a lot more busy too. And so yeah. we usually have a hard time doing other campus related activities and any socializing or meeting any other people. It's a very kind of set in its own track kind of program. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. Well, where does choir and like performing arts fit into your uh, busy schedule? Um, <laughs> with great difficulty. Um, mm -hmm. Having done choir and theater for quite a few, quite a few years now, um, it's always been one of those things where it may not be my end up career goal, but it's definitely one of those things I, I want to keep in my life as something I do. Um, I've gone through and done a choir in high school and I've done it through a, a church program where I used to actually teach a children's choir. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, and I've done theater through high school and a little bit of guts here and there and some other programs. Yeah. Have you, uh, thought, thought about doing like, well, I guess I don't know what the landscape is now mm -hmm. <laughs> with the pandemic and everything. But like, do you see yourself maybe doing uh, a Gonzaga, like hitting up with the homies at the GU theater department? I've thought about it. Um, but going now into my junior year and other kind of time constraints, uh, definitely less time for theater. And it was a miracle. I managed to squeeze in this wonderful life this uh, last past uh, winter break. Mm -hmm. so yeah, so tell us about It's a Wonderful Life, because we've talked about it on the show, and we've had a few mm -hmm. of the actors from that show on here. Um, what got you into that show? Like like you said, like you are like so busy all the time. Like You would come to rehearsal, and you'd be wearing your lawyer <laughs> outfit in, in some occasions. Like What made you want to, of all the shows, too, Like It's a Wonderful Life, you want to do that show? Exactly. Really? <laughs> um, so 
all hate for Wonderful Life aside from some individuals I know. <laughs> uh, um, like the actual movie or the play? The the play versus the movie. Um, okay. Because I know some people who are very biased against the play over the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see why. It, it does shorten out some of the some of the other themes within it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's I'm a, a huge fan of both Jimmy Stewart um, and the, the show in itself. It's always been every holiday movie as a kid was It's a Wonderful Life at, at my house, especially being a, a New England kind of farm family, um, growing up with that kind of represented in media is very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was just drawn to it, especially because I, I had quite a few friends in the cast who had done it, who were going to audition, and I'd never done anything with the Civic Theater before on a large scale. I'd helped out with props and costumes and whatnot before and said, you know, this is something I'd love to do and at least try once there. Yeah, it was a fun time. You know, like, I think I definitely enjoyed the play a lot more when, because I was assistant director for the show. So I was like, um, my, my, might as well just like watch the movie because I've only seen bits and clips of it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think when I saw It's a Wonderful Life, it clicked in my head that this was the episode of Rugrats where Ch- Chucky's Wonderful Life. You know, I, saw, I watched It's a Wonderful Life and then I watched Chucky's uh, Wonderful Life as well. Yep. And then I was like, oh, wow, this is it. This is, the, uh, this is where this comes from, you know? Like, uh, and then I saw the actual movie and I was like, it's all right. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, uh, it's a movie that I w- would probably see once a year, you know? Like mm-hmm. it's not a... Oh man, I'm gonna. It's what? What time is it now? Five twenty-six in the afternoon on a hot July. Let's watch. It's a wonderful life today. Yeah. Like, well, one of the things too that speaks to the actual um, weight of the show is that yeah, it may be sixty, seventy years, actually seventy, eighty years old, mm-hmm. um, but it's it still brings up something that's relevant to to many Americans. Um, Frank Capra, the director of the original um, movie. Mm-hmm. And the screenplay is a huge, I'm a huge fan of his, um, many different things that he's done. It just kind of shows um, patriotic America without being nationalistic America. Yeah. Wasn't there a time where It's a Wonderful Life was thought as fascist, too? Um, actually, communist. It oh, communist. It was banned for being communist propaganda. Wow. Uh, but, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like most things in America in that time. <laughs> yes, yes. That happened very frequently, especially through 1950s McCarthyism and mm-hmm. um, that whole giant political view. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't it funny, like, how against communism, like, people were back then? And nowadays, like, people talk about communism like it's, like, second nature. I mean, like, I guess their interpretation of communism is uh, different. Like, I guess, like maybe not necessarily different, but like, it's definitely, I don't know what the right word is. Like, maybe you, you can explain it, Mr. Lawyer. (laughs) And like, I think like, you know, a little bit about American history too. Like, um, do you think it's kind of weird that America, some like the younger generation now is kind of like infatuated with like communism? Well, um, being a a political science and history major too, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of what I, in America, I don't know how polit- political you want this podcast to be. Just like, just uh, get, just get like <laughs> brief, you know, like, brief. okay. Yeah. Cause this episode's so, about you. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so a lot of, uh, America now is more socialism, democratic socialism than communism, mm-hmm. um, which is a very 
it's 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 liberal, but it's not liberalism to the point of being almost fascist again, going all the way around. Um, and so a lot of like ideals of America, mm-hmm. such as um, personal freedom, um, healthcare, caring for the sick, or the old, or the infirm, the the ideals which did make America great, like public elections and public utilities, um, fire departments, police departments, things that make a a functioning democracy, mm-hmm. most of those are considered some form of socialism, mm-hmm. um, whereas communism can be a, a whole other ball game of almost fascism. So, yeah. Okay, so I think I was definitely thinking about socialism, <laughs> like in like today's <laughs> youth, instead yeah. of like actual communism. So I'm glad that you clarified that because I like like I'm just a. I'm just an artist, man. Yep. <laughs> I'm an artist and I'm from the Middle East. Like I could tell you about the monarchy and how I feel about that, but that's, that's something not I've never sh- really heard much about either. Ah, oh, man. Uh, we don't want to get into that. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> let, let, we don't want to Kargoshi or wh- whatever his last name was. Like we don't let that happen, <laughs> but whatever. Um, I digress. Uh, <laughs> so, cause you mentioned choir. Do you know Tim Westerhouse? I do. I've met Dr. Westerhouse a few times, done a couple of like choir retreats with him. Oh, um, nice. He's great a cool guy. guy. Awesome professor. Mm-hmm. Um, but not one of my prim- primary influences in the choir world. Okay. Yeah. I just brought him up because we did, uh, we opened our new performing arts center uh, where we collaborated with the uh, choir um, for a new season, which mm-hmm. was an interesting time. Um, Tim was a really nice guy. And I get to call him now Tim. It's funny, like professors now. Um, yeah. I especially graduating. Like, do I call them doctors and professor or anything? Because like, I'm we're not in that student relationship right now. I feel like I'm in a place where I'd be like, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> you know? How are uh, you doing, Tim? Yeah. Um. <laughs> I I feel like yeah. I feel like I can approach Tim like that. I know my theater professors. Like, I don't call them like you know Professor Kathleen Jeffs or Doctor Kathleen Jeffs, even though she has a doctorate. You know, I, uh, it's kind of funny because like when people did reference her a few times as Dr. Jeffs, uh, like she would always be sitting next to me and I would be like, who's Dr. Jeffs, Kathleen? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a weird name, you know? Um, and it's also kind of funny because I do want to get, I want to be a professor one day. Um, I'm yeah. trying to get my master's or maybe even a doctorate. So to think like people are going to, like they can call me Dr. Sid. Not I'll, I'll, not Doctor Thumali. I, I don't think I'd want that. But like Doctor Sid or Doctor Saeed or whatever. I'm just like, man, that's it's kind of weird to be a doctor. Yeah. Of well, I think a lot, a lot of it depends too on how formal you are about it. Because mm-hmm. my my dad being professor of archaeology is Doctor Sloma, um, but I think maybe once or twice in my lifetime have I heard him refer to himself as that. Um, it's just occasionally one or two students do um but to pretty much everybody he's either just uh dr s or robert mm-hmm. so it really depends on how formal you are with your students and how much of a like patriarchal or matriarchal view like top down your classes yeah i would like i work at the that i mentioned on the show that i work at an eye center here as a receptionist and i legitimately thought about going up to an actual one of the eye doctors and just being like hey uh dr you know, so-and-so, I don't want to mention names. Um, mm-hmm. Guess what? I want to, I'm going to be a doctor too, you know, doctor mm-hmm. of theater and just, <laughs> and just like, just see his reaction. I think like, that would be kind of funny. I, I just like, I think it's just so hilarious that there's a, a doctor in theater, you know, yeah. 
Like, well, I know, like, music education, you know, like education but... and like philosophy. I get that, but like, when you really think about it, and like theater specifically, it's just like it's just the art of pretending, you know, like, and like when you <laughs> very well when you when you strip down when you strip it all down, it's just like we're all pretending and making sets and stuff like that. We can get philosophical about theater for sure, but like when you at its core, it's really just a bunch of people just pretending on stage and well, that's kind of the joy of it is you get to be something you're not yeah. you get to experience something you're not and kind of convey that to people yeah i don't know what as being like a doctor says about like doing that though because like it always feels like whenever you're a master or like a doctor or something like that like that's the highest education that you like that's my perception of it anyway it's like that's the highest education that you get and then mm-hmm. um you're like oh man i get it because i have this degree and i'm a master now but i, I feel like someone like me who's changed so much throughout the years like i feel like even if i do get a ma- like a certificate that says like you are a master in theater right now or like you're a doctor in theater or whatever like i don't feel like i'm i don't feel like i, I could be like superior like even if i had students i'd be like hey i'm just like one dude and this is my perspective i've had people teach not just in theater and stuff but like in college where they're it definitely feels like they think their way is the right way to do things yeah yeah well i think a lot of that too is a lot of people have the point of view of once they get their doctorate Mm -hmm. um if you're outside of like the the sciences Mm -hmm. and you get your doctorate it kind of feels like you're at the top there isn't really progress to go up um, but with everything you're still learning once you're there Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and the world's changing so much too oh absolutely especially with theater now it's like uh, no one knows how to navigate this, not even the masters. <laughs> you yeah, know? Well, how do you navigate a world which is primarily built on a shared experience when you can't have a shared experience? Exactly. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, this is Wayward Artists in a Wayward World, where each and every Sunday I sit with a wayward artist and we talk about thankful for it's based on jared petty's podcast pocket full of soup or pockets full of soup i need to get the right term for that where basically he just does this show like the same format and i stole it because he wasn't making new pocket full of soup episodes he hasn't done it in a while he, he does some new things now which i feel like i should get in touch with that so jared if you're listening um we'd love to have you on and please don't be mad that i stole this because it was a really good it's a really good format i think We've had a lot of really good discussions on this show because of, and it, it all started with that question, which I'm going to ask Joe right now. Joe, um, tell me someone you're thankful for. Um, well, the first person that comes to my mind, actually, I have two. Mm-hmm. And if, that's, if that fits within the format, I'm going to run with it. Sure, um, man. I mean, like, we've had people say multiple people. We've had people say one. I mean, like, there's no rules. I don't make up the rules, you know? <laughs> We're making them up as we go. Yeah. I, it was funny. I said the same thing to Art. And he's like, Sid, you, you may, you're the host of this podcast. You, of course you make the rules. But you know what I mean, you know? <laughs> we, don't, we don't need rules here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if we're thinking of people I'm thankful for, I have... Uh, people who've been an influence, like specifically the first two that come to my mind are my, my grandfather, um, who is kind of that, that personal, that family one, mm-hmm. and the teacher who actually made me kind of pick a direction in life. And that would be uh, Jeffrey Bowen, my choir director from high school, of all people. Wow. Uh, which is not usually someone you think of, um, especially if you're not in the arts world. 
but definitely someone who introduced me to choir. It was my first experience with a, like a choir other, outside of being like a small child when I was mm-hmm. really small um, and seeing how much that can bring joy to people or have an experience. Because I remember at the finding it was like at a first concert looking down and seeing someone cry in the audience out of joy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an experience. Um, and definitely I've seen that in doing theater too. But yeah. Yeah. So um, I do want to talk about Jeffrey Bowman. Uh, Lisa, Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Bowman. Jeffrey Bowen. B-O-E-N. Bowen. Yeah. Okay. Um, I definitely want to talk about him a little bit because we don't get a lot of musicians and stuff like that on the show. <laughs> we <Yep>. have a few. <laughs> um, uh, Jameson Elton. Uh, Jameson episode was really interesting. He talked about music in general, which was like interesting that we, we kind of like went deep into music and he's 17 so he's a good it, kid yeah he's he was a he's a really sweet guy um but i want to kind of get in the nitty-gritty of like choir and all that so um how did it all start when you met jeff um so i actually joined choir almost as an accident mm-hmm. um being i was i was always a band kid originally uh, i had been in the, the moaching band the pep band the concert band I was a saxophone player originally, mm-hmm. tenor sax, alto sax, and guitar player. And one of my friends, good friend of mine, said, hey, there's a new choir director. He's the first male choir director the school has had in 50 years. Uh-huh. You should go talk to him. Um, and having not having done choir, I was like, this is quite realistically, I was like, this is kind of stupid. Because especially as a guy and most circles being a guy and singing is not common. Um, And that's kind of an interesting view for a lot of people who've been in theater for a long time, or a lot of people who've done choir, uh, but kind of the outside looking in, that's not a common view. Mm -hmm. And like men's choirs, the heyday of men's choirs was a long time ago. Um, There's just not the same volume of them. It's just not as common. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I I digress. I, I ended up, going i ended up talking to him and he ended up convincing me to join choir and if i didn't like it i could leave go back to band and i kind of stuck with it it just kind of it was an experience of being one of the first guys that they had in their choir uh, then eventually that led to a whole men's choir of about 26 people in the end wow that's that's really interesting that you just kind of went on a, a whim for I, choir i did yeah yeah. Um, why, why do you think you stuck around? Like, what, what is it about choir that you love so much? Um, a lot of the things that draw people to theater also draw me to choir. It's uh, a shared experience with a group of people where you're learning, you're kind of revealing emotions to each other. It's very emotional. It's very um, tied into how music makes you feel. Um, and I think that's one of the main things about music. A lot of people are caught up in the, the technical of music. The point of music, in my uh, humble opinion, is to convey emotion or to convey knowledge. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like, yeah, I, it's it's interesting. Like, it, so you, you said it's very similar in the fact that, like, you're having a shared experience with theater. Like, you mean, like, with your choir members or, like? Yeah. Well, well not even just with the members of choir, but with people in general. Concerts are... I'm not sure how Jameson thought when he did it. Cause I, I know we've, we've talked about this before. He and I, um, we've kind of a different view on the role music takes, mm-hmm. um, but music 
it's hard to pin down what it is. It's hard to pin down why we do it. It's just something we've done as a culture for generations. And I can't quite say what draws me specifically to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely, there's nothing like having fun in choir and then doing profound things. Like we did a, um, I forget the name of the song actually, but I remember this song. Um, it was about suicide. So mm-hmm. you go from that to uh, Baba Yetu, which is about life and joy and survival. Mm-hmm. So it's very the ju- juxtaposition between what emotions you can feel as you sing, as you perform. Mm-hmm. I think what's so great about music is that it, like it kind of like food because we talk about food on mm-hmm. the show too um it transcends barriers you know like i can enjoy an opera you know and not understand anything that the opera singer is saying like they're speaking in a different language but it's a it's a vibe that you're feeling like it's the environment it's um the way that uh the opera singer is manipulating their voice and it's that's and it's kind of like the same with performing arts like it, it's this energy that you feel in the room like you're able to like feel something even though you don't really quite understand like what's going on but like your brain starts um putting images in your head of like what this song could mean or stuff like that you know like um you mentioned uh, i forgot the title of what you of the song you just said but the one about suicide it's like yeah, I, I don't think it's like outrightly. Can you can you say that again? So I can. Um, I actually don't remember the title of the song. I just remember ah, the song. Okay. That's from. It was partially in English and it was partially um, uh, like vocal singing, just okay. vocal noises. So again, you making me feel better. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so now I'm like, okay, so you didn't actually say the song title, and I was listening. <laughs> yep. Yep. No. Nope. Um, all right. So, but like that song is about suicide. And I don't think like you would outwardly say like this is the suicide song or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, like you don't really go into something. You, you kind of like well, have your perspective and idea of like with that how specific it... song. It was written by someone who had lost his sister to mm-hmm. suicide. And so it was like a plea to the dead mm-hmm. was kind of how it was written. And it was dark and moving. And it was a lot of overtones and undertones singing so it was very non-static in in the way that it was sung. Because a lot of a lot of music, you kind of have your your prim and proper music. Mm-hmm. Have the music which is experimental, and it was one of those experimental ones. Um, and it was it definitely fit the the vibe of it almost. Yeah, and uh, you get to feel that in the room, you know, like oh, absolutely. That's what's so great about it. But also, like with your choir members too i'm sure like well you guys are all just hanging out like and from my experience seeing choir and stuff like that i don't actually get out of my way to see choir my only like reference is uh, a new season <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and i highly suggest you do <laughs> i mean like i went to my first ever orchestra um it was the pixar symphony um where i mm-hmm. actually like because like i never really thought about like oh i'm gonna go see live music you know without any words Mm -hmm. or anything like that but like the added addition of like having pixar in there i was like okay you know like we'll go check Mm -hmm. this out and man i gotta say like yeah anyone everyone should like see an orchestra one time in their life because there was something about like hearing that 
Toy Story music live and all that. And it was just like, mm-hmm. ah, I'm going to cry right now, dude. Like, they did Remember Me from Coco. And I'm like, ah, that <laughs> song is so hard to, like, listen to, especially, like, if you have it, someone you love that passed away. You know, uh, me, it was like my dog, just, like, died, like, what, two or three mm-hmm. months prior, and I was still not over it. And I was like, oh man, I just remembered Coco is part of Pixar. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna do Remember Me on stage. And I like, uh Yeah, well that's the thing with music is there's something in it for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um the same thing with theater. You can always find something that you personally identify mm-hmm. with. And when you have that personal connection to it, that's when it has the most meaning. Mm-hmm. Um going back to your teacher, Jeffrey, um, like so like it, you, you like you said yourself like there's so many people that you're thankful for and stuff like that like it's really hard to choose but you ended up choosing jeffrey so, I, so i'm kind of curious as to and, why and he'd hate us calling him jeffrey he goes by Jeff. oh i'm sorry um. <laughs> i i don't know why i did that i guess like i'm so bad i i'm a little bit tired <laughs> it's you know it's late yeah uh. it's all right it's late it's hot i uh one thing I noticed doing podcasts is like doing them back to back recording. Like it is definitely hard. Mm-hmm. I don't know how people do it. Like when they have to record back to back sessions. Anyway, um, Jeff, uh, uh, Professor Jeff, or Teacher Jeff, because it was uh, grade school. On his way to being Doctor Jeff now. Actually, Doctor Jeff, nice. Yeah, he's going to um, Oregon University of Oregon. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, going back to going back on topic here, you mentioned the uh, soon to be Doctor Jeff um yeah what made you want to talk about him today um so he's the person who introduced me to music Mm -hmm. um if it weren't for that i probably would have left band and not been not been a a theater person that i am now or not been a music person or acting um i never would have gotten into the whole arts world actually and that's that added a whole new dimension to my life of things that uh, are not only just interesting but deeply meaningful and powerful to me. Mm-hmm. When do you think, like, you realize that uh, uh, Jeff's influence on you like meant something? Like, because obviously, like the the yeah. first interaction, you're not like, oh man, uh, you're introduced, you're telling me to go to choir. That's going to change my life. You know? No, no. At, at the beginning, I was kind of like, oh, it's choir. It's going to be an easy way to get an A. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it actually. It, that's kind of how I treated it for the full, like most of the first year of kind of like a, a scrape by and kind of do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a point where he had said, Hey, we have this upcoming show that you need to do a theater show and we need bases for it. So that's how I ended up being in the production of the music man at my high school. Mm-hmm. And that kind of led to an interest in theater and it kind of snowballed from there. I ended up being his, uh, the TA, the teacher's assistant for the next year, um, helping to conduct the women's choir and then being involved with a lot more than just my choir. And I did jazz choir through them, um, went back to mm-hmm. playing guitar and was the jazz gu- guitar accompaniment for them as well as singing. Um, so kind of did the whole back and forth with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like um, he did introduce you to all this stuff. Like that's, uh, let's see. Uh... So do so you have a lot of it? Do you have any, Sorry. Oh, that's all right. I like, there, there are moments in the show where I just have to like think about mm-hmm. what I'm going to say next. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I don't take notes. It's uh, I write the notes in my head, but then I like I forget what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Where, like, oh, oh man, now I lost it. <laughs> For all you folks at home, that means he's uh, staring at his computer screen, typing out the next couple 
questions. Oh, no. I, I do not, dude, I, I, I tell you, like, I'm off the cuff right now. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> uh, Fantastic. That's like, um, that's what I'm yeah. normally doing on my end. Um, so, like, what is this influence? Okay, there we go. What is, like, uh, Jeff's influence like for you after college? Like, do you still keep in contact with um, him or? I do, yeah. We're actually pretty good friends on, on Facebook, of all things, speaking of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Because it's a it's a great way to keep in touch with people, mm-hmm. um, and so what happened too with with him is his experience teaching at a high school level had um, kind of thought of he could do this at a, a higher level too. He just enjoyed mm-hmm. it, and he said, you know, I he I'm going to go get my doctorate, master's degree at the moment, mm-hmm. and kind of head for it's like a collegiate level teaching experience. Mm-hmm. And so where does like being a lawyer fit into all this? Cause like you mentioned choir, you mentioned theater, but like, where does yeah. like being a lawyer fit? Into Very that? well, actually. Really? Um, so one of the things, so we're going to time travel a little bit back here. Um, in my junior, senior year of high school, I actually want to do engineering as a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and as most people do that changed, but I had never really wanted to do any like people based things. I'm not, not a very extroverted person. Um, but I ended up taking a legal studies class senior year. So that kind of piqued my interest in that. And then realized I was not good with public speaking, um, which you can probably tell by this podcast, (laughs) but I, I never was really good at public speaking or like announcements or talking to groups of people. And I kind of sought out choir after that, um, through like my personal time or theater as a way to kind of get better at better at it my own version of like toastmasters is it's just a way to work on communication skills um and a lot of being uh in a law program is somewhat like acting mm-hmm. you're, you're playing a role that people expect from you and you want to deliver bad news in a good way or good news in a neutral mm-hmm. way so a lot of it is Sorry, I lost my train of thought. And you here. see, now it's contagious. <laughs> it's, it's contagious. Yeah. It's the whole coronavirus yeah. thing. Oh, God. Um, it's a side effect. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so definitely it's choir and theater and acting have led to definitely being a lot of, making it a lot easier to work as a paralegal, which I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. um, just because it's easier to communicate with people because that's what it teaches you is how to communicate. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's funny you say that. Cause like I, I make that same analogy about lawyers too. Like you see in movies a lot, like lawyers and like prosecutors just being like the great deceivers and trying to like win their case. Uh, at least like mm-hmm. the stereotype, the stereotype. And that's the stereotype. It's not super accurate, but there's a little grain of truth in mm-hmm. that. It's um, you want to in court. I've only been to court a few times for work. Um, but one of those things that you want to do is you want to present your side in the best light possible. Mm-hmm. And if you told straight facts in the straight facts, no nonsense kind of way, um, no one would win. <laughs> you you want to gain public opinion and public support mm-hmm. and the people's support. And the way to do that is you have to make them identify with it. Um, so if you have a client who's, let's say, they're a terrible grade A horrible person half the time. Um, but they volunteered a soup kitchen once a week 
and you have four people in the jury that do the same thing, you want them to know that so they connect to it uh, because that's how you win. It's winning people's minds and hearts over. That's really that's really interesting. I don't um a couple of things that I got from that. Um first of all, is there a difference between a lawyer, a prosecutor, and a defender? Or are they I mean like defender and prosecutor, like I know that there's a difference. I don't know what they kind of yeah. are, but does a lawyer specifically, is that a different kind of person? Well, it depends on what part of the world you are, too. A lawyer is like a barrister. Um, so in any case, civil or criminal, you have the uh, plaintiff and the defendant. Mm-hmm. The uh, defendant is kind of the one who has to answer for whatever they've mm-hmm. done, whether it be a criminal charge or a civil suit. Um, and then you have the plaintiff who is going to be the person that usually, in the case that I do right now, who we represent Mm -hmm. Um, plaintiff side is usually um, if you had a car accident, the person who got hit walking across the street is going to be the plaintiff. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And then, so those are going to be the lawyers. And then on that, you have the judge who oversees it. You have uh, four five, six paralegals usually working on a case for either side who assist the lawyers. They draft documents, they talk, they meet with clients um, and that's what I do right now is I, I'm a paralegal. So I meet with clients, I draft documents, I take it for judges to sign, I drop documents off in court, I have I take notes in court for lawyers, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. Yeah. My only like um exposure to the the legal world was through the video game Phoenix, right? Have you ever played that game? Mm-hmm. I have I'm not a video game person. You know, actually. I think you might get a kick out of Phoenix, right? It's uh <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not your average video game. It's like a storytelling game with some like point and click elements to it like i think you would vibe with it and especially like lawyering you know like it's ah man that's that's what you do <laughs> yeah uh, um it's like yeah whatever sis sure <laughs> but, yeah, sorry that, i might i got a phone call oh, that's uh, fine. not an important one yeah but. <laughs> the other one uh, kind of experience to like the law um like the courtroom and stuff was a play that I was going to do, um, The Last Days of Judas Iscariot by Stephen uh, Adley Gugris. Can't say his last name. Uh, um, I was going to play the prosecutor, Yusuf Akbar Wahad al Nasr Gamil al Fayyumi. He's very, he, like, if you're familiar with uh, Borat, like, he, he yeah. kind of embodies that, but, like, I don't think. Like, I didn't want to really, like, play him, like, over-the-top crazy, you know? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like it's really easy to, like, dip into that kind of perspective. Um, but it's... Re- you, don't, you don't want it to be camp at, at a certain point. Yeah, because, like, uh, with a lot of the characters... Are you familiar with the play? A little bit, yeah. yeah. So, basically, it's um, Judas Iscariot goes to court. Um, Fabiana uh, Cunningham is the defendant. I'm the prosecutor. Uh, from hell <laughs> like literally i come from hell even though i'm just like oh man it's just trouble with my paperwork you know that's like most of them um. yeah um <laughs> but like we're all in purgatory so we're not like we're between heaven and hell in this play um and we're trying to figure out whether or not judas deserved to go to to hell for what he did to jesus um spoiler yeah. alert he, i mean he goes back he goes to hell you know, like I, I win, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it's kind of like just interesting, like to kind of explore that. It would have been cool to talk to you about uh, how I can play a good like prosecutor. 
you know, if you're a prosecutor from hell, you've already got it half oh. made. That's about about accurate. For so is that like so in the video <laughs> game I play too? Like, um, you play as a defense attorney, but like, uh, and the prosecutors are always like the antagonist. And so like, our prosecutors like, uh, and this isn't like speaking about the prosecutors maybe that you know, but like in general, like our prosecutors like just assholes. No, well, so that's the way the American legal system is mm-hmm. set up. Um, it's defense sided usually. Mm-hmm. We're innocent until proven guilty, and so the good guy is never the prosecutor, mm-hmm. um, except on except when it's morality. Um, so even if you have someone who is who's guilty, and you have to go through court, someone has to prosecute and someone has to defend. Mm-hmm. So you may defending be defending someone who is objectively guilty, um, but are they guilty in the eyes of the law? So a lot of that too leads to things where if people are innocent, the prosecutor seems like the bad guy because he's trying to nail mm-hmm. them. Uh, and so the prosecutors I know are great people. The, the AAG, Assistant Attorney General for Washington, is fantastic. Um, all, the, all the people that I know here, too, who work for that system are, are good people. Um, but it's a job. Someone has mm-hmm. to do it. And even if someone is guilty, you have to have someone to defend someone who's guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that I always say is, even in the Nuremberg trials in Germany, someone had to defend um, everyone there. Mm-hmm. So even when someone is blatantly guilty, you have to have a defense. Yeah. I, I can't imagine, like you brought up Germany, like I can't imagine um, having to work with like a Nazi trying to prove them in, like innocent. Like that's, that must be like a toll. Oh, oh, absolutely. And I, I know there's, there's mass burnout with lawyers too, especially or barristers if you're in Canada. Because it's a, it's a stressful job. Um, it has to be done. Someone has to do it, and it's not always good. Um, and that's why there's high risk, high reward, and um, a lot of burnout generally. So too. what happens then, like, if, like, a defendant or a prosecutor, like, you know, they don't win a lot of their cases? Like, what, what kind of happens to them? Um, it depends. Um, if you are making, if you are doing the best effort you can and in the eyes of the Mm -hmm. law, um, there are some cases you will never win just because you're doing the moral and ethically right Mm -hmm. thing. If you have someone who's blatantly guilty and there's DNA evidence and someone watched him do it and there's on 5,000 security cameras, you're going to lose the Mm -hmm. case. Um, it, I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but you're going to lose the case and, I mean, that can take a toll on it, but it's not really like there's another way around it. Um, it's just how it's done. Uh-huh. And that, too, depending on who you ask, the, just, the justice system in America is either really, really good, it's mostly good, or it's inherently flawed. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, like, and you know, this is coming from the Middle East and stuff like that, I feel like a lot of people just say like that their government or justice system is flawed in a- any way, you know? Um, Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that we have that perspective, you know, like our government yeah. officials, like um, we have to put our trust in it. If you talk to most people, you're like, I don't really trust the government right now, which is like, it's just such an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Well, the thing with the government is a government is built, built on the compromise of all of its citizens because no one will ever get their way completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and with all things of compromise, nothing's ever perfect. 
And so our government never will be perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can make our best attempts to make it, make it better, though. And, I, and going all the way back to the beginning of this conversation, uh, Frank Capra, the director, I think that's what he tried to portray in a lot of his movies, like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. It's a story of like a small town guy who ends up being, um, I believe, a congressman in Washington and seeing the corruption there mm-hmm. and trying to do something about it. Uh, because at the end of the day, America has always had these problems mm. and we're always trying to fix them, but it's like running on a treadmill. Mm. Yeah, there's always going to be problems. <laughs> like you'll, yeah. you'll solve the new problems only for uh, newer issues to like, uh, no, I think, all right, I screwed that up. Uh, you, you always you, you you always solve the problem, but there's from that there's always new problems. There's ten more. Like there's ten more yeah. that like comes out of it. It's like a hydra. Yeah. Well, I, I work on classic cars too, as uh, like a fun aside. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, there's kind of a saying in the car world that for every for every issue you fix, you always have five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's like that in the legal system. It's like that in government. It's it's like that in theater sometimes. Yeah. Uh, for everything that you you change or you fix or you work on, there's always going to be another issue or plot hole or character that doesn't seem quite right. Yeah, lawyering, uh, cars, theater, choir, dude, you're like a jack of all trades. Y'all, you always like. I think the one thing I appreciate about you is like you always do these weird things, and it's just like, yeah, I'm gonna do that, and I love that. I love that in people. I like I like it when people like don't stick to like what they normally do and I, like you know like that's not a bad thing you know but there i mm-hmm. do have a special place for people who are just like man i'm gonna do this thing and it, it kind of and that thing like totally catches me off guard so you're you're kind of yeah. one of those people oh, thanks well I, I always see it as kind of like and this is my other role model my grandfather um he said you should try everything at least once no matter how good it is or how bad it is mm-hmm. um within reason like ethically but if if there's something that you find interesting, do it, no matter what it mm-hmm. is, whether it's running a marathon or trying theater or doing debate or um, applying for a job that you think you have no chance of getting mm-hmm. just to see if you can. Yeah. Uh, uh, we mentioned Jameson early on, and he said that he wanted to apply to Juilliard. And I was like, oh, wow, Juilliard, um, you know? Um, like yeah, I, I, wasn't, him, I wasn't like, gonna go yeah i wasn't like i wasn't like uh are you sure you want to apply to juilliard of all schools i'm like dude that's a big school and, you know and you you got to do it like you can't just not do it and pretend, think like oh man what if you know yeah well because then you kind of get haunted by the what ifs of yesterday mm-hmm. you you need to try every opportunity when it's presented yeah i mean there's always ones that you won't be able to do won't be able to take mm-hmm. Um, but would you rather have one or two regrets or would you rather have a life of them? Yeah, that's what that was my vibe when I got the the grant for the playwright form that I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really think that, like, okay, I knew the stuff that I was writing in this proposal, it's it's going to capture some hearts. Like, I'm, I'm going to, I'll mm-hmm. be frank about that. But, like, to think about, like, I, but I guess there was a part of me that was like, there's probably a possibility I won't get this grant, which, you know, it'll be fine. At least we get to say that, like, we did it. And we're a lot more organized because of it, because we had to tell them our plan. 
even though that plan's being chucked out the window <laughs> because of COVID yeah. and everything. But um, COVID has affected everything. It has, man. But it's like you said, like I've never written a grant before. The only time I've ever written a grant um, was in class for, uh, for directing two. And I mm-hmm. failed that class. And it was the exact same kind of grant that we were applying for like, or fake applying for. And I failed it. Like, I was like, it was a really cool feeling to actually win that grant and that being like the very first time I ever got a grant before, you know? Well, that's kind of the thing. What That's why people run marathons and climb mountains. It's to prove that you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by applying for the grant, you did something that you didn't know if you could do it. I mean, you, you assumed you could probably do it, mm-hmm. um, but it's a little bit of validation for the effort that you put in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 good to take risks yeah. and reason. Um, that's like law school for me was a risk. I graduated high school with a not so great GPA. I ended up working at a gas station, um, auto shop, making batteries mm-hmm. for a month or two after high school. Not really what I wanted to do, um, and then kind of doing a big one eighty on my plans and getting everything together. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a it's just you just have to try. Yeah. Speaking of like auto, auto stuff, like we need to get back into teaching me how to drive <laughs> one of these days. Yep, we do. Because <laughs> um, I think I'm in a, a better place monetarily. So I'll, I'll pay for gas this time. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but yeah, going back with, uh, to Jeff, because I think like we talked a lot about him. Um, I don't yeah. think we ever like mentioned today, like what did he influence you at all uh, in the lawyer side of things? Like besides like uh, the artistic stuff, like what was his thoughts about you? wanting to pursue being a lawyer. So he actually always encouraged that um, because that was still high school. I didn't really have a plan. Even when I graduated, I still didn't have a plan. Mm -hmm. Um, So his advice kind of took on a little later than it should have because he gave me the advice a year or two before I followed it. Um, But yeah, he had originally, before he became a choir teacher, he had looked at law and said, no, not so much, not for him. Um, and I'm kind of the other way around. I had looked at music, and then I had looked at architecture, then I had looked at engineering, then I had looked at this and that and other things, and never really found something I was interested mm-hmm. in. Um, and his advice to me was, find what you're interested in, um, find what compels you, and do that. So, And that's a very American thing, too, in a lot of parts of the world, that's not always the advice but you know in america you can mm-hmm. i think like what's a good advice because like I, I do love what he was saying and stuff like that but like i feel like if uh if you were my student i would have been like all right so forget about finding uh the right kind of fit for you like it was it would be more about you know what what do you want to do with your life you know like how, how do you mm-hmm. want to like help others you know um exactly. that's always with theater specifically, um, we talk about like why I want to do theater and it's really about, cause I enjoy human connection and all that. And I wanted to interpret that in the, anything that I do, regardless of, and I say anything now because I have this podcast where I ask myself that same question. Like, why do I do theater? Was the first thing I asked like during this pandemic. And then once I remembered exactly why I love doing theater and why I did wanted to do this playwright form and I did all my other shows and stuff like that. Once I figured that all out, um, 
I was just like, all right, how are you going to adapt that into something that's not theater? And so that, that's why we're here today. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's one of the compelling things is the, the why of it. Um, why is anyone drawn towards the arts? Why is anyone drawn towards law or engineering? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because we feel compelled to do it. Yeah. Um, no matter what it is, there's always, for every person that there is, is interested in art, there's someone who's interested in engineering. For every some person who's interested in quantum mathematics, there's someone who goes, I can change someone's life by acting. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's yeah. Yeah. I have I do have a quick question for you. And that uh since we both well, I went to Gonzaga, you still go there. Um uh did you ever see Doxy's God? I never think I asked. I I did not. Did you but like was it advertised enough where you're like, oh, this is a show? I never even heard about it actually until after. Oh man. So that's part of being in the like the the pre law program Mm -hmm. and a, a history, political science kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really do a lot of arts at GU. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really involved in any arts at GU. Yeah. The most arts-related thing was actually the outdoors club, even. It wasn't really related at all, um, which would have been really nice, too. But I've, I I saw Midsummer Night's Dream, and I think that was the only thing that I did. Oh, you, Jaren's uh, Midsummer Night's Dream? Like, I, I did. Oh, okay. You did that? I saw oh, that. Saw I wasn't in it. Ah, uh, man. You saw Jaren's show before you... Nah. <laughs> uh, it's fine. We didn't know each other, so I don't think... No hard feelings. <laughs> but it was also, but... like... It was definitely, like... Just to go off the cuff here real quick. Like, it was put on during kind of a rough time. Like, there was, like, a snowstorm, and a lot of people can come. And then there was, like, a Gonzaga basketball game, which there always is whenever you're doing it. There's always one. There's, like, one of yeah, them. <laughs> and I was just like, man, I hate basketball. Why is it like, why aren't, well, we had, we, like we had a decent amount of crowd, but like, you mm-hmm. know, I just, I guess a part of me still like could have gotten more of stupid. Basketball. Do you ever feel like the one person who goes, goes there, the one who person there who that just doesn't like basketball? Oh, okay. Um, I'll be honest, dude. I've never seen a GU basketball game. I think I started paying attention when we were in the final four and it looked like we were about mm-hmm. to win. I don't know if we were like the final two or whatever. Um, that's when I started paying attention. Be like, oh, okay. Um, I yeah. I remember I was doing the second show I ever directed. We talked about it with art, feeding the moonfish, <laughs> and I told uh, mm-hmm. my actors like, hey, I know we're in like the final four, the final three, or whatever, and I know we have rehearsal now, but I'm just gonna cancel rehearsal. Get to enjoy that because. I don't like basketball. Well, I, I like basketball, actually. I think among all the sports, mm-hmm. I can tolerate going to a basketball game or a hockey game. But I was never subscribed to the basketball culture of Gonzaga. Like, that was, just wasn't for me, dude. I, I, don't, I couldn't do Tent City, which, by the way, if you guys mm-hmm. don't know what Tent City is, like... Pe- it's fun. Um, uh, he says it's fun. <laughs> um, from my perspective, sitting out in a tent in the freezing cold of spokane washington when it snows is especially fun. oh you see he's crazy guys you're you're crazy <laughs> <laughs> joe i'm on because like you're not allowed to have a heater or anything like to warm up like the... yeah well i think the thing too is it's just one of those things that appeals to very few people it doesn't even appeal to me that much but it was it was fun to do once like like anything i said i'd try it once mm-hmm. i hung out with a couple of friends did that mm-hmm. um the student section is a uh, a fun slash nightmare kind of experience mm-hmm. um 
but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's something to try once. Um, but it's, it's big. <laughs> yeah. I missed out on the free stuff, dude. I thought about it when I was about to graduate, I was like, should I go to a mm. game? Should I like enjoy basketball? And I was like, nah, don't really like, I didn't even like staying in line in Disneyland and I, well, I mm-hmm. love Disneyland. Um, I, w- I went there um, in December and it, it was a fun time, you know, like I, I yeah, sure. It was kind of sad because uh, I kind of picked the wrong time to go like after a show and everything like that. But in retrospect in this pandemic and everything and not being able to travel anymore, I'm like, I'm glad I went. That was like probably mm-hmm. the last kind of fun memory I had before the last getting locked inside after that. Well, uh, after that, like, just all the bad stuff happened like my dog dying like the day Mm. after my trip and then um for a while just like being on standby not really doing a show i mean i i I auditioned for the academy for like 12th night but i didn't get in maybe it was because i'm too old maybe um my schedule just didn't fit i don't know (laughs) i was Mm. like i i love what the academy like is so far and i'm excited to see him grow i don't think i would have paid 200 dollars to be in a show because <laughs> like the the academic portion i guess because it's academy or whatever but it was 200 dollars um once you get cast in the show because there's an education aspect of it and i don't think i would have paid that you know it's just like mm-hmm. i put well, it's, it's a great thing too for the community to have oh yeah absolutely uh, i just i'm gonna interrupt you for a second and say the Civic Theater is going to be one of the great things in Spokane. Yeah. Uh, a community resource like that. Mm-hmm. And they've been around for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially coming from a, a place where New England originally, it's very rural where I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the New England you think of when you think of like Boston or New York City. It's uh, Idaho, but make it maple trees. Oh, wow. That must be so, very rural. Uh, it's very rural. A um, little bit racist, too, because you, you said Idaho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In some parts, it is the land of Bernie Sanders, but um, maple syrup, Ben and Jerry's, and Bernie Sanders. Okay, well, maybe it's um, a little bit liberal. It's 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 a liberal version of Idaho, mm-hmm. but it it's very rural. It's very spread out. A lot of the roads are dirt, um, and a lot of it's farms. So there isn't the like if you if you want to go see a movie theater in Vermont, you have to drive two hours from where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so culture isn't big and everywhere i mean they've got um like woodstock vermont has a whole bunch of things they've got stuff in burlington there's a lot of community things in other parts of the state but there are just some parts that like if you want to go see a theater you're going to have to drive and if you want to see a symphony you're going to have to drive to boston oh wow that's crazy i mean like i guess mm-hmm. in retrospect yeah it's great that we have something like that and, and like uh, not to tarnish the civic theater i love the civic um I think it's a great, uh, it's a great, it's definitely an interesting resource. I just, uh, I hope one day they just, uh, they grow more and more. And they, yeah. There's a lot of things that could be changed. There's a lot of kind of infighting within the group too and whatnot. Yeah, but, but this isn't, as with this isn't what the show's about though. Let's talk about no. that. <laughs> the only, criti- I think the only criticism of the Civic Theater that I've had um, uh, was just the pricing of the Academy stuff because mm-hmm. $200 for, you gotta make it more accessible to people. Yeah, and uh, like not a lot of like they they don't really have a lot of like people like because it's a Shakespeare. So mm-hmm. like I would have hoped that they'd get like a really 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 good Shakespeare 
teacher, but like, it didn't seem like there was, I mean, like there were some people that were versed in Shakespeare, but um, I like someone that's actually trained in Shakespeare. Like that would have been a cool experience. Yeah. That's, that's why I made my form, you know, like. Well, a lot of civic too is based on a paid volunteer community volunteers. Mm-hmm. It, it so is a, it might be very, it's very hard to get someone who is oh, yeah. trained in that. Exactly. Cause it's, it is at the end of the day, it's, it is a community theater, but it's definitely, it's definitely one of the bigger ones here in Spokane. Yeah. Uh, until wayward artist makes its uh, debut someday. Um, I I'm waiting for it. Yeah. I mean, we're here. We got a grant. We're here. Yeah. Like, but it's a troop. it's it, talking to a screen is a little different. Well, <laughs> th- you're, you're thinking about the podcast wayward artists. You, you, the traveling, the yeah. traveling theater company for wayward artists is different. <laughs> it's my, th- yeah. that's my theater troupe. You know, um, the reason why I called this podcast, like, wayward artists in the wayward world just to stick on brand you know <laughs> um it's funny because uh spoiler alert we're making a new logo for the show and oh, nice. uh anna smith my dear friend who made all the poster designs for everything that i've done i was like hey uh she also made the logo for um traveling theater company um and i told her like yeah, I want you to make the logo for this podcast, but I also I don't want it to be similar to the theater troupe because the theater troupe one, it's got a circus vibe, which I like because like I, I that troupe is all about hiring just a bunch of ragtag wayward artists and putting on a show in any place that feels right, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for this one, which. Uh, that's like such a good idea in itself too. Mm-hmm. And then this podcast, it's about dipping into the past. So I told her, yeah, just make it vaporware. Um, are you familiar with vaporware? I'm not. Um, look it up. It's an aesthetic. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it, but like if you just imagine like lo-fi, um, yeah. uh, pla- uh, pastel colors, um, Jack can chill throwback. Yeah, j- jaggy um, VHS tapes with like the, uh, you know, you have to uh, adjust the tracking. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's this is what this podcast feels like. So I was like, make make me something like that for this show. Um, there you go. Yeah, I don't think I've ever spoke about my ideas for the traveling theater company for Wayward Artists because. I think it's always changing. I'm I'm trying to like, I think the one thing I want to do with it is focus on new work. Um, mm-hmm. Really, I think what was great about Reflection and the Baby Bar Project was it's a play that no theater company would ever do because it's a 10 minute play, but you're making it the star of your production company, you know? Like mm-hmm. you would normally want to put like an hour and a half, two hour play, but like this is a 10 minute play being done in a bar. So like... I feel like it would be great in a festival, you know, like it would probably fit in someone's festival, but not as its own standalone thing. And that not, yeah, not as a standalone, mm -hmm. which I think that's what makes us unique is we take all these plays that um, probably wouldn't fit in an actual season and just give it its spotlight. Um, Especially when you do it in weird environments too. Like you don't want to do an hour and a half play in a bar. Yeah. yeah. So with the way that reflection worked is um, we had 10 minutes. Um, we had three shows in one night um, we did. And then we had like an hour slot. So with every show that ends in like 10 minutes, we had like a 15 minute intermission and then we'd go into the next show 
And that's how it went throughout the night. And that's great with smaller shows like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm being honest about most people, people's attention spans are not long. Yeah. And I think that's a common issue with a lot of the larger shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just can't hold people, capture the people's imagination without stranger and stranger things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to have the more realistic or surreal short experiences are definitely more important. Yeah. So like when I'm thinking about like this, the future of this thing, it's like, you know, I, I want to focus more on like new work, but I know like that's not really sustainable, but I'm also interested in like, uh, fulfilling like another need that I've always had, which is like restaurants, you know, mm-hmm. like not necessarily do dinner theater. Cause I don't want to, I don't like eating and watching a play personally. Um, mm-hmm. We're not a movie theater. <laughs> like people have concessions. <laughs> I've been to a lot of theaters that had concessions and guilty. I've had concessions. Sure. Cause it's there and I want to snack, but for- I, I committed a sin and ate some uh, Skittles backstage watching It's a Wonderful Life. We've all done I that. I mean, that's so. <laughs> fine, dude. Like, I, like that shit, I don't care. As the like, as a director, um, that's up to the stage manager, you know, like to catch you backstage if you're vibing. Even if you're... But if you can hide it, it's good. <laughs> I mean, like secret Skittles, yeah. I'm sure R- exactly. Rochelle Herman will really like you saying that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, Shakila too. Uh, shout out to both of them. They they were. Well, we did we did eat some food in this wonderful life, uh, <laughs> although it may have been a few days old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that's theater food. Anyway, uh, that's theater food. Like my, you don't want to touch that. <laughs> my idea would be like you know, do like a breakfast thing because I love breakfast, and uh, maybe a lunch thing, and then kind of close at like three four o'clock. And if mm-hmm. somebody's there at four, they can like stay. And they can get like a discount to the shows that, that that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Now that's I don't know that's an idea dinner and theater and yeah uh, that's interesting yeah and then we have like bar and then there's also the aspect of me like thinking about um, Jordan Tannehill shout out to Jordan he's a really cool uh, friend from Canada um, he's a really no- well known mm-hmm. playwright um, he and his partner did uh, kind of like a. I don't know how you call what you call it, but like it's called video fag. They're both gay, so that's okay mm-hmm. <laughs> that they called it that. Um, it's it was kind of a weird hodgepodge of like underground artists, performing arts, poetry, theater, movie, all kind of oh, and nightclub and drag shows, all kind of done in this barbershop where they lived. They lived in like the back, and the back of their theater like the backstage area is where they lived and that's where also the performers would go in their green room so the, the yeah. green room would be their kitchen you know or like you know you'd find people in their bedroom like just waiting for the show and i think like maybe i'm romanticizing it but like i think it's kind of cool as a single person to mm-hmm. be surrounded by all these people but i don't know i want something like that in spokane i don't think like we have anything edgy like that and i want to bring something cool like that to the, this area and i think yeah. I, well spokane spokane's never been one for new and edgy mm-hmm. um except for a few times back in the 1970s <laughs> i mean everyone in the 70s was like edgy there was some good stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah um yeah but like yeah, you saying like spokane's not about like nothing new and edgy here just wait man i like once i get this off the ground and like, I guess like my end goal isn't like to be famous with this troop or anything. It's really just to do whatever I feel like I want to do. 
<laughs> like, I'm going to do a show here. I'm going to figure out a way to do it. That's what the baby bar thing was all about. Um, when I, well, going back to what I had said earlier, too, it's one of those things where you just have to do it and oh, yeah. see what comes of it. Oh, yeah. As soon as Patty, uh, Tully, shout out to Patty. I love Patty so much, uh, said it was okay and that she was giving us the space for free to do uh, our show for like an hour. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this is fantastic. It's on. It's, it, it's real now. It's real now. And we have to figure out how to do it. And I think like the message of that was always just like, hey, cast and crew, I know we have, like, I know we believe in the message of this show and we're all very excited. But I think like the fact that we're doing it is like the best part, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, oh, yeah. Theater is, I have, I have a hypothetical question for you. Yeah. Would theater still have the same meaning to you if there wasn't an audience? Um, yeah. So that's really hard because, like, we're in a pandemic now, <laughs> and uh, and and that's kind of a question, like, the, a little bit inspired by the pandemic. Yeah, too. and that's what's kind of like that. That's what I've been thinking about a lot. Um, I've been to a few Zoom plays, and even watching the, what the Civic Theater was doing early in the pandemic. You know, back when we were all in this together, and we were like, "Ah, oh, man, it's just two weeks." You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, that was a that was an idea, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> um, where they um, would stream their shows, and I participating in all those, I could not engage. You know, well, with like Hamilton too, as a as a video coming Hamilton's out. Hamilton's different. I think Hamilton um, is well. It's kind of designed for that originally. Yeah, like. some things that just it doesn't work right quite the same way yeah so with hamilton it's different because it is filmed cinematically you know with like the Mm close-ups and like you do feel like you're watching a movie you know um what people have been doing lately with like shows i just couldn't engage and i think like the important like what makes theater and performing arts so distinct from movies and tv shows you get that immediate reaction with the audience like they're they have to be there like it's something that the audience bounces off of and it's something that you as the actor bounce off of as well it's like opera like thinking to improv comedy and guts and whatnot uh, what you do is based on the audience's reaction if you don't have an audience to react you're just doing a a skit to an empty room yeah that's and you don't have any feedback for it you don't know if it's funny you don't know if it's gonna fly you don't know if it's gonna flop yeah um in a couple episodes we even i even talk extensively about like my zoom experience and not really enjoying it so to -hmm. answer your question like that's what makes theater unique is you have Mm -hmm. that audience um i feel like a zoom audience is just like it's hard Mm -hmm. because they're just words on it's just like and this is biased because I had my friends on the show uh, who I've known for 10 years where we would only text each other. And like, you know, we do the occasional FaceTime, Zoom or whatever uh, to like yeah. see each other. And then, you know, sometimes we do see each other in real life now. But for the longest time, it would just be online. And we do make connections online. But like probably like it, it's a lot harder to do that like in the moment, you know, like I, it's hard to connect with like words on a, a screen right away exactly yeah well like i'm one of those people who one of the great things and i found that's common with most people what like us it's who you meet while you're doing theater Mm -hmm. or arts or music or band or even work if you're a stem person like that Mm -hmm. it's it's who you meet how you interact with them and the friendships you make out of that yeah man that's why i was so bummed about 
leaving it's a wonderful life so early it was just like I, mm-hmm. I like you saw me i bonded with all those kids and i bonded with you guys it was just like ah man i feel like i'm saying goodbye prematurely here yeah because well, yeah, they become kind of your de facto family for a little bit you just spend enough time with these people mm-hmm. uh, that you just you feel attached yeah to it did and, and that's something which doesn't translate into computers and zoom in the digital age very well yeah like it, it kind of soured my disneyland trip a little bit because i'm like ah man i'm Look at all these kids here, and they're like doing the same things that like the kids. That's wonderful life we're doing. And I was like, ah oh, man, I'm kind of sad now. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to cry in the club, you know. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, dude, theater, like performing arts, not just theater. The performing arts is about connecting with audience, like in the moment. Um, I feel like if you do plays or theater on screen, it's just like you're watching a movie and you're kind of watching a movie with shitty graphics, you know, like, yeah. like, cause so much of like film is like cinematography and editing and like getting your attention that way. But like, and if you film theater cinematographically, it would be just a kind of half-assed movie. Yeah. Like it's, a, <laughs> it wouldn't be quite the same experience. Yeah. It's like, like, like costumes and everything especially like i guess with the community theater level like i guess like hamilton like yeah the costumes are amazing obviously but like yeah. you know the the spoke and civic theater and scene like and again not shitting on the spoke and civic theater here and the, or their productions i think like all the shows that they showed were good but like you could having done props and costumes and stuff they're they're good there's good the bad and the ugly and anything. yeah and, but like looking uh, at that up close like when it's not meant oh to yeah be, you don't want to see it up close. yeah like looking at, at it up close when you're supposed to see it far away like it just like it, it takes you out of it especially like what well like the the phone and some scenes you know prop wise is a stick with something glued on the bottom of it mm-hmm. you know from 40 feet away as an audience member it looks perfectly real mm-hmm. um the, the pinstripe suit that i wore in one scene the pinstripes were painted on you mm-hmm. know so that that that's kind of thing doesn't translate into film. Yeah. It just works when you're in the audience. Yeah, and it's at, like when you go to the theater, you're supposed to suspend, uh, suspend, like suspend disbelief because disbelief. because yeah, most of the time you're seeing your friends on stage too. It's like you know, it's mm-hmm. um, for a second you just have to like play pretend. I feel like movies are, and a lot of times they try to be real as realistic as possible yeah, yeah. i find like i like it's hard for me to switch my theater brain off like my film brain off when mm-hmm. i'm watching like these zoom plays and stuff i'm just like can't do it whenever like yeah. the civic theater like did their live shows i'd just be like all right um this is the part that i don't like of the show and i'm gonna go get something to drink you know you're mm-hmm. not you can't do that in like actual theater just get up from a show no you can't yeah. do that i mean you can but it's really rude yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, but like etiquettely and like just like naturally speaking like you don't leave a a play you know like you're Mm -hmm. you're kind of forced to sit there and engage and like and it's it's designed for you to sit there and engage with it and i think that's the thing is the the key word is engage with mm -hmm. it and you can't do that over a screen yeah it's uh like it's hard because like stage left was doing all this cool stuff and i'm just like i can't do this man i can't i i refuse to direct a show over zoom um Mm -hmm. With Georgia Kittredge, you know, like my apprentice, like she, like I think I mentioned that we we mentioned this a few times on the show. Like she's doing um, an unrealized project, and it's going to be like a Zoom play, which we're not going to say what it is because, like, it's a private event, super private. Like that's why, like, we're not getting the rights for it because we're making it hella private, Um, Mm -hmm. like just personal. 
like uh, at the end of the day, like if she's going to use it in her resume, she can just be like, oh yeah, this is a unrealized project, which this is, which it is, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, but she's going to direct on Zoom and I'm teaching her, you know, um, which is interesting. Uh, we haven't done it yet. Like she's still doing her analysis work, but it's going to be fascinating to see like in retrospect, like I'm not going to like be there to like help her direct. Like I'll give her advice. I'm kind of like just going to throw her in there. Like my professors did to me. <laughs> and that's kind of one of the right ways to do it is just learn by experience yeah, it's, with most things. And it's going to be interesting to see how she does and how I feel about it. But like right now I'm just like, like, I know like this is long winded with your answer to your question. It's just like, you, you need people there. I need, I need a stage. Yep. You know, I I admire people who are doing what they're. It's like a, it's what Anne Bogart she said like, she said of of someone else, but like I heard it from her. Great theater, like one of the best theater artists in history. Um, and my friend, <laughs> not to brag, not bra <laughs> humble brag. Like I just been emailing her just a little bit. <laughs> um, she mentioned that the reason why these artists are doing this, like feeling like they have to create is to mourn what they lost. And exactly. it's hard to like criticize uh, these Zoom plays that are going on and just being like, oh, that's not theater. But like, it's not me trying to dismiss what they're doing. It's just, um, I guess I appreciate- It's kind of the situation we're stuck in. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's, one of the things with any performing arts specifically, mm -hmm. um, whether it's theater or music or musical theater, it's how you connect to the audience, mm -hmm. whether it's a solo or it's an ensemble or a group, it's how you connect. And that's the problem. It's, it, a film is designed to be kind of thrown at you. Theater is designed to be thrown with you almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love those immediate reactions. Um, mm -hmm. With you going back to Gonzaga and everything, like, what is choir you think going to be like over there? The, do you know anything? I I don't know. I wish I did. Um, I that's a good thing. I should probably ask some people I know who are doing it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely, it's just one of those things where it can't be done the same way that it normally is. Mm -hmm. And if you are. You're going to have to be six feet apart minimum with a mask on. And that's going to be interesting for sound wise at the very least. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, well, I know most things too. A lot of classes are online except for lab classes. And I'm not sure if that would qualify even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think theater pretty much is like canceled, you know? Um, yeah. The only thing I heard from my professor, my old professor, Charles Pepitone, he was like, mm -hmm. it's kind of like the moment of preparation, which I agree. Like it's, the time to, I think we're given more time than ever to like just hone our skills a little bit. Um, I don't. And yeah, this is the time to just work on ourselves before we go back together as an ensemble. Yeah, I hope, in, I hope, in all things, I hope it's soon. You know, I, I'm sick of being in my house, and we still need to go on that hike. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was. We do. Yeah, I've spoke with uh, my dear friend Kevin Berry, um, hiking enthusiast. Some would say um, I would. <laughs> um, great guy and I was like I mentioned you and I was like I'm ready to like just be out in nature a little bit maybe when it's I mean, honestly maybe when it's cooler it's kind of hot you know <laughs> well, 
and that's one of the things too with because of coronavirus i ended up working Mm -hmm. four jobs and being very busy all the time and that's kind of led to a similar but different experience than most people's coronavirus because i know a lot of people who are kind of stuck at home quarantining or doing one job and quarantining um but for me it's kind of been business as usual Mm -hmm. um in regards to the people at work it's just when i get home there's no one I can kind of hang out with and unwind because it's a bit, you know, it's a little weird, a little scary to have to interact with people knowing what could happen. Yeah. That's why I love this podcast, you know, get to mm-hmm. interact with my, my friends and, you know, I, with Kevin and Deanna, they're both my two friends that I met online who, you know, in some ways, like they never really engaged with art. Like they, they've engaged with art, but like not in the way we have. Um, but yeah, it was interesting learning a new side of them. I mean, I've known them for 10 years. So they got to talk mm-hmm. to me about things that they never told me before. So I got to learn about them in new ways. And I think that's a good thing for... I've, I'm really proud of a lot of people I know mm-hmm. because they've taken this time to kind of reflect on themselves a lot mm-hmm. and figure out what's going on in their lives and what their goals are and what they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... There's someone I know, I, I, we're very distantly friends, but Carolyn Slater, um, another fellow actor in town, a pretty interesting person. Mm-hmm. She's like learning guitar and doing this, all this other stuff. My friend, got a good buddy, Ryan, who's doing a whole bunch of things. He's been painting for the first time ever. People are just finding hobbies and things that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah, this podcast really kind of was just and like... It's de- I, I, it stems from that. Yeah, it's, uh, it definitely was something out on a whim. You know, I think I've always wanted to do a podcast and I've always wanted to do this format, but I think I've always been too busy. Um, so it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see where I carry this, like, once we can see each other again. <laughs> yeah. You know, I kind of inspired me to think about putting my own podcast back together because, like I said before, one time I did a radio show a, a while back with a couple of friends and maybe getting those people back together just to talk politics. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, we can probably talk on and on about politics, but uh, we don't have that much. Another time. We don't have that much time. We have, like, yep. uh, well, it's 87 minutes. We, we can still talk, <laughs> but uh, we should be wrapping up soon, especially since I need to make. We'll save the politics for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, politics with Sid. And the spoiler alert, I don't know shit about politics. <laughs> uh, That's the fun part. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. I'm trying to think if we should wrap it up or if we should ask like dive into something else how have you been dude like um the four jobs and stuff that you have like what what are those jobs like what like what are you doing to keep yourself busy so um like i may have mentioned before i'm working four jobs it's a lot of fun um plenty hours a week looking at 60 70 hours whoa like each oh all together okay not super bad um, but that's still a fair amount for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I work part-time at a undisclosed law firm here in Spokane as a paralegal doing um, a lot of client-sided work, talking with people, and that's uh, very draining almost, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, I also work retail because, as people do, I work at one of those big, giant, home improvement stores that has big blue logo, um, which I would definitely get sued even on a small podcast for saying their name. Really? But, oh, Cause, absolutely. Cause like we say home, we said home Depot on the show. 
Ah, uh, Lowe's. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's not... The Lowe's gang here. We have a Reddit. Yeah. It's great. Um, <laughs> we we are sponsored by Anchor, and that's the only people who uh, pay for the show. <laughs> so, like, awesome. we can talk about Lowe's. You can, like, mention these people. We're not gonna, Who's going to sue this yeah. show? Like, we're not probably... Well, the Law Firm one, that's more of a kind of a, a safety concern. Okay. Um, but, yeah, no, so Lowe's, which is kind of... An interesting thing working in a work in the paint department yeah. of all things. I don't think you. I don't <laughs> think you and Kevin can be friends because he's a like we mentioned before on the show. Like he's a Home Depot enthusiast, and so yeah. he probably hates. He probably hates Lowe's. <laughs> I have a friend who works at Home Depot too, so it's kind of a kind of counterculture. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. You need. I've never worked retail before mm-hmm. before this because mm-hmm. I hadn't had to, but. Retail is an interesting thing all on its own because you see the best and the absolute worst of society, mm-hmm. especially with the pandemic going on. I have watched people fight over a single mask, um, 20 people fighting over just a, a small box of masks because that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you kind of see the worst. And then I work at the Air Museum here in the city as a tour guide. And that's a lot of fun. You get a lot of interesting people there too. Mm-hmm. And for my dad's archaeology company as the accountant. Oh wow! Yeah, you're you're packed, dude. Oh, you know. And <laughs> uh, with the retail stuff, like it's interesting that you said like you see those two different perspectives. Like I don't get to see that that much because when I work retail, uh, I don't work retail. Sorry, I work reception at the Eye Center uh, for Multicare, and like it's interesting because you enforce the mask law because it makes sense like so you, yeah it's kind of a hospital situ- situation well it's a, it's a clinic it's not a hospital so yeah but yeah. still same deal it's a, it's a medical thing yeah you're still um, going whereas mm-hmm. oh yeah like like i was I, I think i was gonna say exactly what you were saying like it's it's easier to like make people wear it because we are in a clinic where we do see like well not the eye center specifically but like downstairs at the urgent care uh it's the main rockwood clinic um they yeah see well we don't see sick people at the eye center but still like coronavirus is probably in the air there somewhere so um like it's easier for us to say to these uh, patients like hey you got to wear a mask you know i think uh, Mm -hmm. we've had a couple of nasty people but like not to the extent where i'm seeing it in retail nowadays and like restaurants like i can't imagine working retail at a restaurant the thing with like a hardware store of all things Mm -hmm is you just can't force people to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because we're kind of, um, it's not even just us, the administration of the building themselves is pretty evenly split on whether the coronavirus is even a hoax, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Um, so it's you can't really enforce something if you're not being told to enforce it there. Mm-hmm. And so there's you, you see the worst of people fighting over masks and you see people fighting to not wear masks. Um, but yeah oh, yeah it's uh i can't imagine dude if i was still working my uh dishwashing job i would have probably quit <laughs> that that would be an interesting one now well especially too because you might have gotten laid off because of coronavirus at this point well because depending on where you work a lot of places are cutting people i think well maybe i don't know if, what they need a dishwasher for um at wisconsin burger if they did but um mm-hmm. No, I was grateful. I don't think I was too too much impacted. I mean, this week I started my like long furlough, um, which has been great. You know, like it's just this 
two days out of my three day a week uh, job. So I go back to work tomorrow. Next week, it's my full schedule. But the week after I, I take another two days. And I'm very blessed with my like receptionist job. You know, I can complain here and there. It's like a couple of things. But like overall, this has been a great mm-hmm. job. Like it is like, you know, we do hard work over there. But like it is so laid back compared to like other things that I've done. Like um, scheduling people and be, like being at the front desk, putting charts away. Like I feel like I, I feel like I fit this life. And not only that, like I get paid above minimum wage and health insurance, and yeah. working an eight to five job, so I can have like a night times. You know, like I'm just very happy to be in this job. <laughs> um, that's why when I like there were there was like an opportunity for me to go to the National Theater Institute, Kayla Fontana went um i was gonna go that same year too well no not that same year i was gonna go next year mm-hmm. and you know besides like n- it not fitting for me anymore even though i love the national theater institute um a part of me was like okay i know how hard it was to get this job and i lose my health insurance uh that sounds scary you know well yeah you're in america now things are not as good as they are in other boats oh yeah like when Um, i decided not to go to nti it was before the pandemic and i'm so mm -hmm. grateful that i left (laughs) we are a third world country with a gucci belt is how one of my friends explained it um because we have a lot of high and mighty ideals but we struggle to reach them Mm -hmm. um and in a lot of things, whether it's medical or otherwise. I, I can see that, you know, that's, I, I think that's a good description of that, <laughs> especially with like mm-hmm. how we've handled this virus, but um, that's yeah. a whole other conversation. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, 94. Let's, uh, yep. yeah, let's, yeah, uh, let's, let's wrap it up by asking, you know, one more question. Uh, it's a question, similar question that I ask um, a lot of my guests. Um, pretend Jeff's, uh, Jeff's here now. You know, he's, you've been talking to him, saying all this cool mm-hmm. stuff. Um, what's the what's one thing you want to tell Jeff right now? Um, I'd want to thank him for forcing me to think about what decisions that I was making and what my goals were. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, before I met him, I didn't have a clear plan or directive or even know what I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of his influence in my life led to me discovering what I found interesting and wanted to be involved in for like a lifelong activity like theater and choir. Are you always like uh, WWJD? You know, what would uh, Jeff do? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I, I say that. And I, that was a really good joke because, well, I, it wasn't a really good joke because you didn't laugh. <laughs> um, it was a good joke. Uh, you know, what would Jesus do? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I'm not even religious. Um, but that's one of those things, too. What, uh, you always have to have someone that you kind of hold up as an example or as a good person to kind of say, what would this person do and how would I want them to think of my choices? Oh, yeah. Shout out Ann Bogart, who's probably listening to the show. That's, I love her. I think she's been a good influence on me. I mean, I haven't met her personally. I, mean, I just recently emailed her and stuff, but like reading her books about theater and stuff like that really changed me. And, you know, we talk about my other mentors, Kathleen and Leslie and all those cool people and the kids that like, they've inspired me. The kids are great. Shout out to the kids. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's so a lot of people. That's the, 
that's the thing is you, you have to kind of ask yourself what would your heroes think of your choices yeah well one of my heroes and you know like there's there's a part of me now that like i, I do know a lot of kids like um how would i how do i want to be perceived by these children as well as another thing i ask myself like if i give up on something or give up on life or whatever like and then little little timmy let's say sees me sees that like mm-hmm. how is that going to affect him especially if little timmy looked up to me mm-hmm. you know yeah you have to kind of be the role model you would have wanted as a kid oh yeah uh, but, that's why yeah, that's why i connect really well with kids and moms too moms love me ever, ever since i was a kid i was always the, the mom's favorites <laughs> and it's good to know that i still am <laughs> all right um guys gals and non-binary pals this is wayward artists in the wayward world um we're going into lightning round questions it's a series of five questions that i ask each and every guest on the show um they're fun they're, they're not so quick but and we have a good time and we and we have a good time uh joe are you ready absolutely all, all, all right question <laughs> be your perfect day um camping hiking in the middle of nowhere and just being alone with nature you i think you you and kevin i know i say you probably wouldn't be friends because you're lowe's and he's home depot but you would vibe really well because that was his his exact almost his exact same answer yep i i've got i've got my special little lake in the wilderness i always go to Uh and uh yeah (laughs) you know i wouldn't mind that like having my own little special place. And I think my own little special place, it's very urban, but it was Atticus. Before this pandemic, I would yep. go to Atticus, like Atticus Coffee and gift shop. Like I would go there every day and just- Shout out to Atticus. That's where I spent most of the days I skipped high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Atticus is great. I, I miss them, even though they, they're there, but yeah. Can't, it's not the same. Yep. Uh, Nothing. A bustling crowd sounds very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, question number two: What is your third favorite movie? My third favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Um, third would be The Great Escape, nineteen sixty-two. The Great Escape. That it's, sounds really familiar. Steve McQueen. Oh yes. Charles. Uh, Charles Bronson. Um, oh no, sorry, Pierce Brosnan and Richard Hattenborough and a whole bunch of other famous actors of the 60s. Oh, I, I didn't know Pierce Brosnan was 60s. Yeah, uh, 60s. Like the same... J- oh, and uh, David McCallum. Okay. The guy who plays Ducky on NCIS. Um, but like uh, Pierce Brosnan, like James Bond Pierce Brosnan? Yep, that's the one. Really? I didn't even know he worked that long. Jeez. Yeah. Um, he was in his... 30s 40s i think yeah could have been 40s 50s um but it's a it's a great it's a world war ii movie but it's about the human struggle mm-hmm. which is kind of a, an awesome thing in addition to being kind of a james bond type action movie i wonder how pierce brosnan feels that his most uh prolific uh movie of all time is mamma mia you know i don't know you know i feel like <laughs> yeah shout out to mamma mia it's a fun time wine moms you know wine mom's favorite musical yeah <laughs> it's it's an interesting one I've, I've i've seen it once or twice and kind of went eh, not my cup of tea you just need that girl energy you know like that you need you, i don't have that kind of energy <laughs> you just like you know like you need that wine mom energy you know what i'm talking about i'm more 
take your cup of coffee, pour a little bit of cream in there, and then half a bottle of Jack Daniels but, kind of energy. Like, but do you you know what I'm talking about? Wine moms, right? Like, <laughs> yep, yeah, yep. You, you need that. You know, you need a, you need a you need a a wine mom friend. And I feel like I tap into that sometimes, like when I'm drunk. <laughs> you've you've definitely got that energy. I I I I can tap it in. Like, okay, like just talking. <laughs> It's funny because, like, yeah, I, I talk about, like, being close to the kids and It's Wonderful Life's moms, too. It's, like, chatting with them. It's just like, oh, man, I can see myself being, like, the gay person in their, <laughs> like, in their friend group where we just gossip, you know? Yeah. There were some times where I felt that way. Like, they would all talk, and I was just there, like, listening to them. And I'd just be like, oh, yeah. I'm not saying – well, it's I'm, I'm not – like, I, I don't want to say their actual name, but I, I have no problem saying their actual name. But, you know. Sure, Sharon. Like I will. Whatever. I I'm tired, dude. I I was trying to make a joke and it didn't. It's fall. been a long day. It's been a long day, dude. It's like the part of the day it's where it's hot, and I think it just messes with my brain. Um, Go outside, lay in a hammock. Yeah, that's my suggestion to you. You know what? That's what I need. But we don't have a place to put a hammock unless uh, unless we get one of those that comes with like sticks, you know, like stands. Mm-hmm. Um, question number three: How would I describe you? Oh. Um, how would you describe me? Mm-hmm. Well, to quote yourself from earlier, Jack of all trades, mm-hmm. I'd hope. Um, I know I, I want to be the person who's perceived that they can at least try everything or do everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe not well, not perfect, but I like to try it. Oh, yeah, dude, you're definitely a jack of all trades. Like, geez, like you do all this interesting stuff. And I don't think I know too many people that are just like who have done as much as you have, you know, like um theater and uh, choir yeah that's like I, I know a lot of people who do theater and choir but also i'm a, i'm a lawyer and like whoa wait what <laughs> why 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 do those two correlate <laughs> you know um you're also a good person you know like i i feel like you're very reliable like in a pinch Thank you. like <laughs> you're you're like down to do anything which i i dig you know well, like, I think a lot of that too is be who you would like to be mm-hmm. and a lot of people just strive for that too and it's kind of um, in addition, just trying things that you think you might like, yeah. be who you'd like to be and expand yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, a lot of that too comes from the reason I've done so many things is because I never knew what I wanted to do when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And so I would try everything to see if I liked it. Um, and the, even now that I know what I want to do, I kind of continue that because it's just a, a good way to live your life. Yeah. I wish I had that advice uh, before graduating. <laughs> I think I, I think mm-hmm. I realized it like, um after doxy's god came out and realizing like oh man everything's kind of fitting together wish i kind of knew about that sooner (laughs) Mm -hmm. but anyway i digress uh i like the path that i'm on now um number four what's your favorite ice cream topping oh my favorite ice cream topping that is going to be the lychee balls that come in boba tea oh man like a lot of y'all have been saying this a lot of y'all like I am. I need to try it. Like in frozen yogurt. Yep. Uh, so the Froyo, that's right by GU, right on Hamilton. Mm-hmm. If you go to that Froyo, go there, get just plain vanilla frozen yogurt, toss in some strawberries and some of the lychee balls, and that is the best thing you will ever have. Oh man! I now I think everyone's like forcing me to kind of try this. Um, <laughs> I tried Uber Eats or slash DoorDash like frozen Froyo. First of all, mm-hmm. they. They send it all the way to North Point. Um, the driver drove literally like half an hour to get my my froyo in this heat. Well, I, mm-hmm. I, maybe not in this heat, but it was still kind of hot. Um, it wasn't 
it was like May or whatever. Anyway, I don't know why DoorDash or whatever I was using like did that. Um, but yeah, when he came and delivered the ice cream, it was like 30 minutes later and it was soup. Awesome. Yeah, so maybe when this pandemic is over, I'm going to have that boba tea like ice cream feels, you know, because y'all are hyping it up really well. And I love boba. It's, it's, it's good stuff. If you like mochi, you'd like that too. Oh, I love mochi. Ah, oh, man. Exactly. That's the thing I've missed since this is going and getting a sushi. <laughs> I'm, I, miss, I miss just like being alive and looking forward to things. <laughs> I, well, I shouldn't have said being alive. I, I'm alive every day. But the feeling, of, the feeling of being alive is different than being alive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when you're out there doing things and experiencing things, which is a really hard thing to do from your house. Exactly. Um, last question, number five, and the most important question on this show, light, left Twix or right Twix? Neither. No, you got to pick. I will abstain. No. I just, detest Twix, uh, but like, uh, but if I have, if I have to, if I absolutely have to, right Twix. Right? Why right? It's better. <laughs> Why, what's your <laughs> philosophy behind it? Come on, man. You gotta like. It's the right choice. Ah, oh, man, you made it. Like third person that made that joke too. Georgia made it, and she made it by accident, <laughs> which is kind of uh, funny. And then Kevin did the same thing, like just a while ago. Um, the only person who was allowed to say both was AJ, but you have to listen to that po- episode to know why I made the exception. Uh, because see, the thing between me is I don't ever like to pick one. Mm-hmm. That said, I don't like Twix. Yeah, um, I'm a Reese's man. Yeah, a Reese's is good. Um, I, I I think it's funny. I think the answers that I've gotten for the Twix thing has always been so funny to me. Uh, <laughs> from Carson uh, Stoll, who made a philosophical argument uh, of his choice, which I thought it was amazing. Um, I don't want to spoil it because you have to listen to the show. And then to 14-year-old Murphy Kittredge being like going into like a chef's detail of why the right Twix uh, tastes better. <laughs> which... So I'll tell you why Reese's is better. Oh, Reese's is better. Yeah, for sure. It's round, it's cyclical, and it's a circle like life. It leads you back to the same place mm-hmm. and it makes you happy. And it has a gooey center that tastes good. It has a gooey center. That's like life. Mm-hmm. Hard exterior, gooey center. That's feels, <laughs> that feels like me. But, you know, I don't like, you know, I'll say like right now that I don't really like Twix and that's not my preference. But if Twix were to sponsor this episode because we mentioned them so many times, I do not mind selling out my soul for Twix. <laughs> you know? <laughs> supply yeah we will we'll stay on brand <laughs> all right um guys gals and non-binary pals this has been wayward artists in a wayward world joe any last words good morning good afternoon and good night uh, okay robin williams <laughs> um <laughs> all right guys gals and non-binary pals without further ado it's been real Yeah.